So hello everyone and welcome again to another installment of Visionary Objet d'Art. We are a sister channel to the ever excellent Crank Playthings. They are based out of Christchurch, New Zealand and you can catch them as well as many other excellent casts and shows over at 8k.nz. And today I've got with me a very special guest and also a milestone uh, for the show. This will be the first interview I've ever done face-to-face -face with someone. It's been very worldly so far, but uh, I finally found someone interesting and willing to finally talk to me in uh, right here in my own backyard. Right here we have uh, Mustafa of Pyramid Indigo. So why don't, you, why don't you say hi to everyone out there? Hey, everyone. Super stoked to be on the show. I've heard a lot of cool things about this thing, so I'm really excited to be a part of it. All right. So why don't we, in what I've what I've picked up and what I've noticed seems to be the way I kick off every show. Um, why don't you give us, because I think, I think at least in the beginning, we'll be talking a bit more specifically, I guess, about uh, your duo Pyramid Indigo. So why don't you give us just a little bit of a, a history, a backstory uh, with Pyramid Indigo, or if you would be so kind as even go back a bit further and kind of when this this interest in such a experimental and out there form of music really came to you and really became part of what it is that you do. Sweet. Those are great questions. Um, okay. So we'll go with the origin story. I think, uh, I was, I was in Austin, Texas for Austin psych fest in 2014. Um, and at the time I was mostly into like a lot of garage rock, uh, stuff like King Gizzard, uh, back when they were still starting out or like sp a place just bury strangers who are like more shoegazy uh, While I was at the festival though, I managed to catch uh, an act from Japan called Mono uh, Who are a post-rock group and if you don't know about them uh, They've been around for ages and they do a lot of really cool soundtracking work um, And I have a handful of great albums. I would definitely check it out if you could um, So I saw them and my jaw hit the ground for the entire set. I I never really experienced music in that sense like i had never seen live music performed in something mu as large as life as that like larger than life uh bigger than a bigger than just like a rock band playing in front of me growing up i mostly listened to like f a range of like from my ages from like when i was like nine to like 13 was all like pop punk like fallout boy and blink 182 which, like, respect to those bands, classic. Yeah, exactly, classics. And then I fell into stuff like TV on the radio and The Strokes. So nothing I listened to before that had ever came close to what I I heard that day, which was so cool. Uh, and it was also sweet to see at a festival like Austin Psych Fest, where I went mainly to see, like, American psych bands like the Brian Jonestown Massacre or the Black Lips, uh, that there was also really, really good curation when it came to ambient and noise and experimental um and like they they hit a whole range of experimental um bringing in groups uh like oh, i forgot the guy's name but his, his name first name is mark and he plays in the group emeralds uh, i remember he played that and i missed it and found out like two years later and i was like wow i'm such a dummy i wish i had known about that so um yeah that was that was the first time i ever experienced anything like that and then i came home from that festival um, and in my YouTube recommended, there is an album called uh, Love is a Stream by Jeffrey Cantu Ledesma, who is a drone artist uh, based out of Austin, Texas. And that album just ooh, is so eviscerating. Like, oh, it's so, so good. And 
the way he contained contains noise and pushes it out it was so fascinating to me and that's kind of was just like where i found out about noise and drone and ambient and i was like oh this is a whole thing and then to find out that there was people in my like you said like in my backyard doing stuff like this people in the city of edmonton having been doing this for many years before this is like a whole new world to me that i like was just thrust into and then felt so lucky to get to be like oh damn i just get to do this in my in my city and i don't have to go very far yeah exactly i don't have to go to texas to (laughs) hear cool music um so with pyramid indigo uh, it actually kind of worked out uh, at the time. Josh, uh, who is my bandmate, he was in Montreal uh, for about a year. Uh, and that was the time that I was uh, traveling a little bit and doing my own thing at the same time that he was. And uh, we kind of reconnected in November of 2014. Uh, and we're just kind of talking about maybe different bands that like not a lot of our friends were into both of us had kind of found tim hecker and godspeed uh but we're also really interested in right right uh we're also sharing interest in like new exploration stuff for us like something like we were listening to a lot of uh death heaven the album sunbather was like heavy on rotation for both of us which was uh for both of us something very very different something that neither of us really listened to uh we were getting more into like black metal stuff like botanist or what was in the throne room where we're playing in playing in our houses quite a lot um and we kind of just started to drone like we we met up one day uh oh god i it's it's funnier funnier every time i tell it but originally pyramid indigo was supposed to be a three-piece dream pop band um but the third guy just didn't show up um so we ended up getting just like very stoned and just droning um i had a huge pedal board set up and didn't really know what to do with it prior to that uh and josh had been working on a lot of patches uh because although he's like a classically trained pianist he found himself more dedicated to ambient textured or minimal house type stuff um so yeah, we just we just started we just dove into it really, and um, the first day we jammed, we I put my phone my iPhone up to the amp like a very bad amp that both of us were plugged into, um, and we just recorded a I think it was a twenty minute jam, um, but it felt like there was a lot of intent there, and when we re listened to it, um, we felt good enough and happy with it that we just released it that day, um, and then. I began just plugging it shamelessly on every Reddit board on 4chan. Like I hit up that moo thread like a million bajillion times. And like, it was cool because the first time that was, that was when we had no idea about what was going on in our community. Um, I had heard some artists names like dropped here and there or seen people on bills, but never had bothered to check it out. But the internet was providing us, a huge base to just kind of jump into it and share ourselves in a new form that may have been harder to like harder for us to actually go out and do at that moment um, because it was so new to us it was amazing that the internet was there for us to just put it up there and share with people um, and it was really cool and we have I have still have some screen caps on my computer I think of people just like complimenting us uh, saying like oh this is mixed perfectly and Josh and I laughing to ourselves thinking like this is an iPhone like up literally up to an amp and then we think about it and we're like wow that does sound really nice it's so spacious and like interesting like before this we had been in a 
in a rock band together, which wasn't even was terrible. It was so bad, like, but it was very fun. But we were young and we, we yeah, like we literally like Weezer. It's like I want to make an indie band, like oh yeah, and like I said, yeah, we're and we're gonna be Vampire Weekend essentially, if if I could be any band, and yeah, I don't know if I man, if I don't I don't know if I was just like destined to find this music, some days it really does feel like that. But with the chain of events being like discovering something like mono being completely thrown for a loop, getting to experience all this new music live, especially for the first time, then coming home and making this kind of music um, and seeing it give me more uh, in the sense of like both artistic credential as well as artistic fulfillment and even just like, base human fulfillment um I, I never could have expected this if i would have told myself like 10 years ago or even five years ago that i would have been making like ambient drone experimental whatever what have you i i don't even i wouldn't know what that meant i, I still don't really know what that means because we're always trying new things which is the f- most fun there yeah, the whole point exactly yeah the whole point of it um so yeah that's like kind of a little rambling story about pyramid we yeah we start we started in november of 2014 no december december of 2014 um and we're still going today and it's been a really cool like this year had been has been really cool because we actually got to open for the band mono in calgary Uh, to me that just brings it to me that just kind of brings it full circle from the beginning of your experience to sharing a stage with them i like i actually could not believe it when um when i read it like oh you're opening the mono show we, um, I don't know, I, I felt like, I, I don't know how to express that feeling because I don't know that things have ever lined up in that certain sense. I've had very beautiful moments in my life, but that was one that was just like, wow, I really um, manifested this almost entirely on my on my own and on the, you know, the shoulders of Josh and myself and the work that we put into this, like, opened up for the group and played shared a stage with the group that influences the region and is the main influence to why i make the music i do now although in the last couple of years i i don't really listen to them but it was a truly breathtaking and like amazing memory and moment that i got to have which is so cool see i kind of in a certain way i think i i think i envy um the way that you kind of came into this because it seems it, especially the way you tell it. I mean, it was all not planned out, but everything was kind of going as it was. And then there was just this moment and it was, you know, from that second on, like you knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. And I think that moments like that, a moment that does something like that, it, it almost sets you up for another beautiful, beautiful moment, like sharing the stage with Mono, having everything come in that kind of full circle finally and it's it's so cool and i like i said in in a way i sort of envy that um it, it's really interesting that you you say or at least that you kind of come from uh, the opposite end of the spectrum in a way because while i was kind of while i'm listening to you talk about uh, you know how everything kind of formed and where you were before and what it was that sort of brought that shift about it's it's so cool because in one sense, you came from the other side of the spectrum of uh, the more ambient, droning, post-rock sort of side of experimentalism, at least in that realm. And then you've kind of 
crossed over almost into everything else that experimentalism can entail, which can be anything. Uh, It's just interesting to get to hear that because mine was essentially the complete opposite coming from like the grossest, just angriest, like grind and power violence music. And then the, the type of noise that comes out of that, because listening to certain bands like insect warfare, uh, noise grind, power death, that album, or even, um, even anal cunt. And they're split with uh, seven minutes of nausea, which is literally just like, the embodiment of making sound and whether it's, you know, entirely with your body or, you know, with electronics, you know, it's just, it's just that anger and that, that burst in the bands that turn me on to other types of music like that. And it's just coming in from that side, but then, you know, also eventually realizing that, you know, it is an explosion of emotion. It's completely emotionally driven. Um, but then realizing that that can be painted in a different way, like you said, discovering other people like Tim Hacker, um, and, and even you can even go farther back. You can even find someone like Bruce Hack, who is you know really experimental, but he was so ahead of his time, and just the things that he did were insane. Um, I think the other thing too that makes it really interesting, and what puts Pyramid Indigo in a really interesting position in my eyes, is it applies to me. And it applies to a lot of the artists that I've had on the show or that I've talked to outside of this show. This isn't my entire life. Um, <laughs> uh, but I've always made it an, interest, an interesting point that um, any, any music, any instruments that I play, um, I've more or less self-taught. And a lot of the other artists that I talk to, they have no prior musical training whatsoever and I've always made the point that I feel like in a way it's it really opens something up because you're really really not bound by the I don't know you're really not kept down by the binds of perfectionism or you're really not kept down by this is how it's done and I can't break this but on the other side of the spectrum especially uh, you with having having Josh in the mix, having that that classical training, that amount of perfectionism on the other side of the spectrum gives you so much range to know how exactly everything to, can talk to each other. Um, I'm really glad you brought that up uh, because so much of what we do is the two of us and everything we do is, is the two of us. Sorry, here, we'll cut that part out. I'm really glad you brought that up because... Everything that we do is the two of us put together and everything that Josh knows about classical piano, having been trained for 14 years. And yeah, like you said, I took, I took three guitar lessons and I was like, nah, that's, that's not for me. Yeah. Not game, not game. And I, I, I get like butterflies still when I think about it, just thinking about how, especially within experimental, um, art in general whenever i see a performance i really do feel an energy and like in a sense can see and feel an energy coming off the performers uh i like to think that pyramid indigo does carry its own and when i daydream about that i just wonder what it looks like because we of course have never seen ourselves perform but it's it's always so beautiful for me to observe and i just like to hope that there is that 
very apparent interconnectedness that we're presenting because it's us on a us on a on a, you know just literally di- directly fed into your ears and both of our voices are there of course with no vocals but they are there and they're they're getting louder and louder as we um as we go deeper into this project which is interesting because neither of us really are that much of outspoken outspoken people um so it's cool that both of us have been able to find a voice within this project um especially in regards to like our history both individually and as a unit together it it astounds me it astounds i think sometimes maybe i'm more shocked than josh because i have absolutely no training and like you i'm self-taught and it's just like this is the first time in my life where I can pick up an instrument and start making sound and be able to follow through and be able to like continue to keep going. Whereas in the past, when I try to write chord progression based pieces, it would not relate. I would find myself faltering or giving up on them or leaving them behind for the future, which obviously never comes. And with this, it's not the same. It really isn't. I I can find myself opening up and closing pieces um, in a much, much more satisfactory way. And even if I do leave them open-ended, they don't uh, weigh down on me in the same way that other uh, songs used to, uh, ones that have a more chord-based um, progression. It's it, it's interesting that you mentioned that you, you're both curious as to what it looks like to see you guys perform because you've obviously never seen yourself perform and that that brought back a very 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 oddly a uh, little unnervingly specific memory of seeing pyramid indigo and i will never remember the name of that venue it's on white it's like right beside the princess oh uh, the almanac I saw you guys perform at the Almanac, like in the back half, and it's, first of all, it's it's a complete feat. I have to give you guys complete props. It's a complete feat to make me stand still and focus on one thing, because ADHD is a bitch. Um, and yeah, it, so it's a complete feat to make me hone in on anything for longer than about 10 seconds, but I remember very specifically, I was standing closer to where you were... Uh, pretty much between where the bar ends and where that stage begins. And I was standing there and I was watching you guys and there was a projection up and it was just like cascading over the both of you. And I was watching, I was watching and I was listening and it was the strangest feeling I saw. I was, I was staring at Josh and it was one of those things where I didn't realize I was staring at Josh, but the sounds and just the way the music was was hitting my brain and it it made me so focused and i was staring at josh and just watching him work it was literally like him watching him have a conversation with someone that i couldn't see and it was crazy because i like i i know mustafa is half a foot away from him but i don't want to look away because for whatever reason the way he's talking is what i want to look at and then when I was able to bring myself to look at you, it was the same thing. It was this, you're talking to someone I can't see, but I'm so much more interested in the way that you speak. And it was something, it was, there was something so, like that was, I'd seen you a couple of times, I think before them, but that was specifically where I was like, this guy, he gets it. 
that I um, obviously many of you can't see because you're listening, but I have my hand over my heart and I, it's very full right now and I, I'm blushing in the best way. Um, yeah, yeah, as much that that intimacy that I found in experimental music, especially when it comes to live performance, I think is partially, like not partially, so much a part of what draws me in because I think it is the with the culture surrounding uh, and this is prefacing I, I promote shows so I see a lot of bands see a lot of musicians play um, I think there can be a certain attitude a certain vibe that bands bring to shows and oftentimes I don't feel that energy when I'm at an experimental show where it's either you know drone ambient uh, live noise like performance noise something like that I don't yeah, there we go. Yeah, exactly. Shameless plug for all of us. Like, I I just don't feel that that it's not. Even, I don't want to say pretension because I think that's that's too heavy handed. But there's something about it that people wa- like walk into a show with an open mind, and that also gives space to those on stage to be more honest and more free with their expression. And when everybody is riding that vibe there's just a magic in the room that I've never felt and I and I chase that vibe so hard and I love ambient and experimental arts for that reason because everyone is really there for the art and for the music and for the experience and especially with more niche genres even if it's not experimental it could be grindcore or free jazz or something like that everybody who's in that room is likely there for the for the sound for the right reasons yeah and I think m- maybe a part of why I've div- like dove so deep into experimental arts is because of how sick I got of <laughs> like band culture and that, all that all that stuff. It's just it's so silly. As much as I still love bands and we'll still go to shows, it's like I think experimental arts is like where my heart is, and it is oh yeah that intimacy. I I have found that space and solitude at so many shows and it always surprises me because i never or i rarely go into an experimental show thinking that that i'm going to be hit and touched in that way but it it almost always happens especially when i um am, am directly going to see an artist like um for example i went and saw it or i we opened for uh jerusalem in my heart a few years ago um and if y'all don't know who that is uh they're a, a, a lebanese and uh French duo based in Montreal and it's kind of like Arabic experimental arts uh, with live film projections and um, I saw them and it was it was visceral and, and it was loud but it was there was a lot of refrain and throughout the whole thing um, they created such a space of intimacy and that everyone in the room although they were there for the show were completely captivated and I just I just don't see um bands doing that anymore it's 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 and it's not to their uh you know it's it's not a bad thing on their fault you know that's just the way it goes sometimes but i don't i i only seek out that intimate space now i i find myself not wanting to go to shows and stuff like that because it's like eh, i'm not gonna get that emotional satisfaction it's like you were saying it's like whether it be anger or it be stress or love or frustration or or what have you but someone is is pushing out noise in whatever sense of noise that is relating to some kind of emotion and when you can when you can take time and sit down and really listen to it 
regardless of what the tone is and the noise, the level of volume, you can really feel something as when it's just purely noise. And it's very much like choose your own adventure. Like which emotional rabbit hole do you want to go down right now with this person? Um, so it's, it's fun. I, I, I have found myself like dedicating more and more time to just like listening to <laughs> noise of all different sorts and like different world noise and stuff to hear like the sound of moving body, like what, you know, what does like a moving body sound like walking through China? Like for me, like when I walk through Edmonton, Alberta, I like to think that in a certain sense, pyramid indigo is the, um, the outward expression of my moving body, my, like my flesh in Canada. And then I listen to someone like Pan Dai Jing, who is from originally from China and she's based in Berlin now. And I hear her music and I, and it may be me, um, putting things into someone's art but also the fact that experimental art gives way to that uh but that in my mind i can i can imagine you know human the human experience in a different country under you know a different government in a different uh economic class in a different like social situation and i think oftentimes it, it is me projecting it onto the artist but there's like so much there that just like gives me a chance to like think about the world and think about what's going on. And I'm like, how do I represent that better myself? See, it's, I, I'm, I'm glad you passed me the mic there because I've been like boiling in my head to try and bring up a point that you just, that you nailed on the head, hit the nail right on the head with it. But to, to me, cause you mentioned the intimacy of, of a show, like what seeing that, seeing that environment seeing somebody in the literal act of pouring out in whatever way that is that they do and just in two ways i find it i find it very intriguing that it it happens in completely powerful ways but two different ways when you see a live show and you get to be in that environment and you get to see the act of them, you know, pouring themselves into this, you get to see that you're there for that actually happening and you get to see how it affects the air around you. And in another sense, listening to a recording of the same sort, because I know, I know for me it is, and I would, you know, I'd bet enough money on it to run me broke for a while that, that you're the same way in that, when you get together with your bandmate, when you get together with Josh or I get together with whoever it is I'm recording with or just by myself where you hit that record button and throughout that entire recording, whatever it is that you're doing, that cycle is still happening. If someone were to sit there and watch you do a recording, in a way, they would be seeing the same thing. They get to see that full experience of you pouring yourself and it's interesting that when you listen to a recording all after the fact that it's almost almost equated to finding like a lost audio recording of like like a conversation held like in wartime or something like you might not have an exact context for it and hell you might not even understand it it might not be a language that you speak but all of a sudden you're given this audio that obviously had so much more importance and every time you hear it, you're going to pick out something else or you're going to notice something or you're going to get that feeling and that recording is going to translate to you in some way. And 
that's kind of what that kind of brings me to what I was like itching to get at here was that you're entirely right that experimentalism and anything in the sort of avant-garde realm especially it it gives so much way to how it speaks to you and i think i think the biggest thing for people that sort of move and i know it wasn't exactly the same for you uh but it was for me a little bit and remains to be i mean there's exceptions but i mean there's something to be said of people who go to you know like a punk show and especially with such a strong um such a strong political stance that they all that punk bands tend to take um there's so much just speaking and there's not even not speaking that's that's the wrong way to say it there's so much literal communication and maybe it's just hearing the same message becomes tired but when you hear something like that or you go to a show i won't say what show it was but if you go to a show and they stop the show for and go on an anti-capitalism rant for 20 minutes in the middle of their set i get it Shh, i get it but there's something so much more to be said of a music that communicates with you in a way that is entirely based on you. Like you said, it's not entirely a choose your own story, but it kind of feels like that. It's literally, it's, I'm listening to this person freak out. I'm listening to this person make waves and whatever it is. And that can connect to you in any way you see fit. It doesn't have, like, they could be angry, and to you, that's calming. You could listen to, you know, a Merzbau set, which, you know, ironically, he looks really calm when he performs. Uh, But you could listen to, like, the most spastic Merzbau set ever, and there's something meditative about it. I, uh, not super recently, but recently I picked up the Merzbau and... No, Mersbau and Orem Ambarchi. I picked up that LP and I remember <laughs> I listened to it once through and it was incredible. And I listened to it again and I fell asleep <laughs> because there's something so meditative about being in that noise. And no matter how angry it is, but it's how it speaks to you. Mm-hmm. Or there could be something, and this was another thing I wanted to mention, and I'm especially because you mentioned uh, Deaf Heaven earlier, I'm sure the track Moonbather was a huge shout out it was a hot like shameless a shameless shout out it's great that's what we were listening to it so much at the time and but and it's yeah moonbather but it's 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 perfect because that gives me like the perfect example because that track specifically moonbather is so like ethereal and i i got the feeling that maybe i should be like you know, there's something very like calming and very like atmospheric and maybe a little unnerving about it, but it's still very, you know, open sounding. But to me, when I heard that track, I just felt nothing but anticipation. And maybe it's, maybe it's contextual. Maybe it's because I know that was sort of laden in these spastic black metal tracks that Deaf Heaven was known for. Yeah. But that doesn't make the piece any less 
because I didn't get that feeling. I got the feeling of anticipation because to me, that almost sounds like a lead up, right? But it, it's just the way that it communicates with a person specifically and it can it can mean so much more than just the government's bad. Yeah, you said it, man. There, That open-endedness, I think, will forever be one of the biggest privileges of making the music that we do is that I, I, I hope that more people's minds can be like set to, to do that with the art that they make or even just like the music that they listen to, even if it's not all the time. But I really do think open-endedness and like allowing the art to be open like that is super important just in terms of like people always talk about like why did broadening your spectrum or broadening your view with what you're listening to or what you read it's like you really got to work on mindfulness and open-mindedness before you can like forcefully try to accept some new uh genres or some new sound or some new text or something like that you have to be willing to like do those things so it's cool as hell to be at a place in my life um where i can look over and I'm, I'm sitting with someone who's been doing this longer than I have. And, and, and it's, there are so many shared like connections. We feel about music the same way and we understand it in the same way. What we're putting out into the world is just like a different reflection of that understanding. And it's like, because of the fact that many people who make avant-garde art are incredibly open-minded or just have completely different taste. And, are willing to share and are not afraid to share, which I think is like a really um, like a big kudos to, to avant-garde and experimental art for being very fearless. Um, And to many like bands and and performers and, you know, dancers and stuff are incredibly fearless, but in the experimental arts, I think it's taking a huge risk with every release. Like there are major artists who release albums all the time and they're trash and they get put out on vinyl and everybody buys it. Oh man, it, it happens sometimes. Sometimes I hear an, uh, a noise album and I'm like, wow, how weird. But then I'm like, no, this is just like an experimental artist taking a risk. And they are highly regarded because of the risks they take. Ending up astounding. And not every risk will be incredible, but it will be another representation of that artist and another uh, peek into their brain and, and into how they might be feeling and... I think without uh, experimental art, I don't. I don't know that I would even be making anything right now. I, I always talk about wanting to do like a post-punk band or a shoegaze group or something like that. But without having done ambient and and drone and experimental, um, without a full band setup, I don't know that I would be making those genres to the full extent that I could. Um, I think with ambient experimental um really led like lays down a foundation of just sound as simple as that sounds because that's just what ambient music is is just like some sounds layered i really think um that can be a really underrated um uh, aspect of of full band or live performance art is that you need to be able to take up space or utilize lack thereof um, or, util- or like, you know, utilize um, the, the lack of space that you're using in a way that both reflects the energy that you're putting into the work, but also like who you might be at the time. And I, I can only hope that the audience would 
return that. And that's what I found in experimental show audiences is that people are always open to like expressing themselves afterwards and being like, this made me feel like this, or I thought about this, or that reminded me of this other thing that I saw. And the conversation is always changing and always evolving. And people are constantly finding new inspiration, especially within these conversations. Um, so it's just so, so fucking cool. It's so cool. <laughs> it's, uh, I think a good comparison maybe or like a good example would be um, the sole soul mem- soul surviving member I suppose or the sole driving force of a band that I thoroughly enjoy uh, Guided by Voices. Uh, a good comparison I think is sort of making a comparison with Robert Pollard because you know, Guided by Voices themselves are bordering on 30 albums now, um, and he's got solo albums. He's got more solo albums, I think, than Guided by Voices albums. I mean, the man's output is just, it's insane. It's crazy. And in a way, when you sort of think about it, you know, I mean, some of my, my, my three favorite Guided by Voices albums all came out in like the late 90s. And I've heard the stuff that he's come out with lately. Uh, I really liked the... I'll never remember the name of it, but it's got him like looking up to a light on the cover. I don't remember the name of it. But I listened to that album, and I really liked that one too. Uh, but with so much output, I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to have enough time to sift through every Guided by Voices album. And I've listened to other ones that were just... Mm, they were a little you know, unimpressive for whatever whatever reason. But... I think the reason I like Got It by Voices so much is because it very much is that 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 main line to Robert Pollard. Mm-hmm. I mean, he might be writing songs, I mean, you know, a song called Frostman right after a song called Chasing Heather Crazy. Like there, there's he's not saying what's going on with him. But the way he writes his music and the way he writes his songs is always changing and evolving. And it, it, it's going to be different from, you know, where he is now to when, you know, he used to be a school teacher. He used to teach fourth grade or cool. when he was first starting to get into music because he didn't want to he didn't want to play sports anymore. You know, it, he's not actually saying any of these things but you really get to hear the difference in how his songs change just because he has this main line of this is how he expresses himself he doesn't have to say it but he picks up you know he picks up his guitar or he sits down to write something and this is what comes out because of what's going on with him and it's very you know they're they're an indie rock band they're an alt band so they might they might kind of just come across as another rock band, but I really do feel that way about Robert Pollard himself, and it might be a little more shrouded, but I get the same sense from listening to you know experimental artists and how they how they evolve, and even just if they're not so much literally saying it, I I feel so bad for this, but I think like. 60 or 70 percent of the episodes i've mentioned wolf eyes but i'm gonna mention wolf eyes again <laughs> i love wolf eyes oh really oh it's great um but yeah i i always i mentioned wolf eyes because you know you can you can really hear where they're at as opposed to where they were and it's not like 
they are saying anything different. And that's kind of the way the music speaks with no words. I mean, you could listen to, you know, Burn Mind or even the album before that and it's just eviscerating anger. And it but and then contextually too, it came out amid hundreds of other releases. They released so much stuff. And now it's getting up to the point where you know, an album every 2 years, a couple albums, you know, they they really kind of slowed down on that and their their pace really slowed down but it almost but it sounds to me like so did their so did their aggression their need to say something is still there and their need to move through their moods in a oral format is still there and it's still beautiful but without saying a word you can almost follow and understand where the individuals have been, where they are, and where they might be going. But without saying a word, because they have that direct line to their heart that they can just pour into. And it's something that's not always characteristic of whatever genres of music. It could be rock music, it could be electronic music, it could even be hip-hop. It might not be so clear that this is just how they're expressing themselves and the music will change without the words changing but it's something that's very fundamental to experiment experimentation in a way i broke you didn't i yeah i know it's good though like i uh i'm glad yeah no i'm i'm completely glad to have found uh, experimental arts avant-garde uh, art I think it has definitely like given me a whole new world of, of fuel and fire and energy to continue to create there were so many moments where there was just like no output no energy nothing being produced and having found that fire again is like oh just irreplaceable um and like I thank I thank all those experiences and I thank those artists who are constantly evolving and changing and willing to put themselves out there and put themselves on a release and just put it out and let the community um, because I find that the experimental community is just like one big worldwide family everybody kind of just knows each other and maybe because there's only like 200 major groups and everyone's just like yeah I played with them and I played with them and I played with them so you kind of just I see that everybody kind of knows each other so it's cool to see that there is a very genuine support system as far as it goes, like small communities of noise artists all the way up to like the big, big leagues of like modular noise and synth noise and all that really expensive noise stuff. Um, it's amazing. I think people really do bond over this stuff as they do with, with mm, almost every form of art. But um, yeah, something really special comes out of when uh, a group of people who may never hang out otherwise get into a room together to make some noise or to listen to some noise, um, whatever that noise is. Um, and it motivates me because we're going to be doing, uh, like we did a we did a Canadian tour last year uh, out to Montreal and back, and we're doing a very short uh, spring stint next year in 2018. Um, and I'm excited just to like get out there and share art again um, because I find that's just the best way to communicate is to go out there and even if it's just 
in your own city or with your own friends in your own house, like just to share your art together. Um, it's one thing that I'm I'm rooting back to after uh, a very busy year uh, plus of just continuously working and like trying to push things. Um, I'm finally rooting back and and settling back in and getting back to like really building my textures before I send them out into my pedal chain and stuff like that. So yeah, I don't know. I I am very 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 looking forward to 2018 because it was just like. I never, I didn't think I was going to get to see the artists that I did this year in regards to experimental art. So I can only imagine that I'll get to catch at least a couple cool, very uh, revolutionary noise artists next year. Because I find that, especially with noise music, it feels very revolutionary. It feels like a protest, like a punk song. When I hear someone slam on their noise and just like push that gas, I'm like, yes, totally. This is the voice of the oppressed. Yeah, exactly. It's just like a howling, a screaming. And I'm like, yes, this is the pain that we all share. Like, oh, obviously. And then I'm like, why don't more people come to this? It's only $5. <laughs> yeah, it might. It just might not be something that uh, translates perfectly. Um, so we're going to we'll, we'll slow down for a second here. We'll be getting very, very ethereal with this conversation. Um I did have a question, though. I did have a question uh, specifically in regards to Pyramid Indigo. Uh, it was the first two, the first two releases, Monolith and Insert Kanji Characters here. Yeah, festival. Festival. That's the one. I don't know how to say festival, and what I presume is Japanese. Yeah, we're posers, man. I really want to change that album because I feel like we're giant posers. Oh, do you know what I? We'll stand together on that one. Esmeralda has a release that I let Brett do the art for and like title and stuff, and he did it all in like Chinese characters. And I'm like, I don't know what I don't. Um, uh, anyways, that's not my point. That's not my point. The point is that these first two releases, what was it called? Uh, the first one and then Moth Festival. 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 <laughs> Holy crap. That's okay. See, I, I was on a roll and then I slowed myself down and I just stalled. Uh, so Festival and Monolith. Um, uh, these are the first two releases that are on uh, the Bandcamp. I don't necessarily know that the first two actual releases, or is that Sorry, yeah. those are the first two releases? Okay. So, what what was what is the significance, and has it changed at all in the, into the next three um, recordings? Um, in what part did? Uh, Ramshackle Day Parade, RDP. What did they? What part did they play in uh, sort of releasing it? And was it? Was there some sort of conscious decision to move away, or is there? Um, or is it just assumed now that all the rest of the albums are RDP or Ramshackle, or what kind of? What's what was their kind of role in the beginnings in in all of this? Um, so RDP, uh, so crucial to us. Um, I we would not be where we are now uh, without the support of those people. Uh, Jenna and Parker and Ian and Brandy um, are all super, super duper crucial um, to who I am as a person, even uh, away from my art. Uh, people who have been making experimental music for many years, like five to eight plus years um, be uh, between the four of them, uh, or sorry, uh, amongst the four of them, they all have at least five to eight years of experience. Um, and they're all over... Like for me and Josh, when we started doing this, we were 18 
and these people were all at least 26 or 27. So it was it was amazing to us that there was people who were much older than us uh, making art uh, in the similar vein as us that you know kind of just like accepted us and were like very supportive of, of what we were doing um, because we we uh, with with um, with monolith we it was just alive off the floor and the same goes for festival they were both just essentially jams recorded like five days apart and we decided to put both of them out and then we're like oh who do we talk to to help us get a show or something and rdp was mentioned and i literally just emailed parker and he got back to me right away and was like i i'm so into this i would be so happy to help you put this out and like let's you know set up a show at some point and blah 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 and well, like yeah without them um i don't think i would care as much about uh what i do now um and i and i think sometimes maybe that i would have gotten too caught up in the busyness of it uh because at the time pyramid was because i think because we were young and we had access to a vehicle we were just on the go all the time and always doing things and it really wore on me and i think because i was able to look up to people who had done this and had kind of done the music thing for a bit and have kind of like settled, I was able to reflect where they might be at into my own life and remember that there's like a very deep reason why this music exists, uh, both my own personal music and just like experimental music in general. Uh, and like have we've been talking about for the last little while is that it's like just a very honest representation of yourself. And I found that the art that I was making when I was super busy wasn't uh, that. And... Um, for peeps like that to just ha- be able for 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 just their presence to be able to like give me that sort of insight and just to be able to have conversations with those people and that giving me the kind of insight that it did i am like forever thankful and and that we're still friends and that we we play together and i get to see them make new music and new art all the time is just so cool those folks are like so badass in their commitment to like weirdness and like weird art and i'm like yeah thank you for like giving me so much motivation and like yeah they're they're the coolest i think they're they're like um yeah just like total dream boats all of them they're they're so rad i definitely would recommend uh checking out their projects like uh soft ions or uh rhythm of cruelty is a really cool post-punk band uh sorry Oh, and Zebra Pulse. Yeah, their new album is so freaking wild. If you like Wolf Eyes, you should definitely listen to Zebra Pulse. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, with like leading up to the self-titled Pyramid Indigo, um, we went from kind of just like putting ideas onto a page to really arranging them to create something. And although we look back at, at the self-titled release now and we think, wow, how cheesy were those tracks? Like, uh, house, house, they're so like rooted in like not even post rock, like but like post rock, and like I don't even know what to say about it. But like they were concepts that we had just been introduced to, and we we took such a liking to them that we we took almost too many ideas and tried to replicate them. But the release is still something that we both look back on and are like, wow, we are so happy with that. Those tracks still are like very interesting and cool, and not at all what we thought we'd be making. Um, so it's and more of a, a chronicle to be able to look yeah. back on. You'll always know where you were. Totally, totally, totally. It is a total chronicle, and it's 
it's wild. It's it's I look I'm looking and staring at my Bandcamp right now and just like thinking about the releases and I'm like, wow, how how cool is that that we've like been lucky enough to work with other folks and work with our friends in releasing art and releasing art that is a better representation of who we are and who we are at the time of release or the months leading up to release or whatever and it's amazing. It's just like it's so cool and yeah. I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling now. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I mainly ask about the Ramshackle Day Parade thing because, number one, I wanted to know what sort of, <clears throat> what sort of impact uh, they had in the beginnings of Pyramid Go and to what extent they still affect you now. <clears throat> Sorry. Because... Obviously, just with what you've been talking about and how you've been going about things, um, you're very, very community-based and very much about getting the art out there and sharing the art and communicating that to people and communicating with people um, who might... They're not going to be like you, but they there's something there that you share. And the reason I ask about that one, because you're very community-centric and... It sounds bad to say, but I'm not. I'm not. I to me, to me, there's such a strong aspect of, um, of outsider art in this, and in the sort of experimentalism, and just even to even when I was listening, because I listened to the the discography today at work which is cool. I get to wear my headphones sometimes and I got all my stuff. I got all the pyramid indigo stuff rocking today and it was great. But even just seeing, even just seeing those three letters RDP, because I'm not sure if you're aware, but I have a personal history with them with ramshackle day parade and it's not a good one. It's not a good one. Um, you know, I, the only person from ramshackle that I dealt with personally, uh, was Parker uh, him and I had some issues and, um, to my, to the extent of my knowledge, they've been resolved. Uh, I've got nothing but respect for the guy. Um, you know, is, is arts phenomenal. Uh, he, him and I talked and like I said, nothing, nothing but respect to him, but it, it it's just interesting because it's so community based for you. And when ramshackle, you know, stepped out of their way and put up, put up a show, and it was with Max Olick and Meat Force, and it was me and uh, me and Dominic's first show with Virgins, and it was just such a, it was just such a clash because I think, in a certain regard, me and me and Dominic had always viewed Virgins and Noise and what we did as a very outsider art type of thing. And we wanted to be able to translate that to, to the live show, to the live setting. We wanted to share that with people, but especially with, you know, socially adept people, like the people who were at the show and like most other people, there's some, decorum between people at a show and with me and Dom a having no idea of what to expect 
how things were going to go, what the general atmosphere of these shows is and showing up and also full disclosure, him and I were not doing well personally at the time. We were both very just angry and, um, you know, abusing, abusing drinking and blah, blah, blah. And that, that clash of us showing up to that show and just being the villains, being the people that you didn't want back, you know, and it it's unfortunate and i you know i did apologize to uh to parker and everyone involved with that show and i i really do hope they get to hear this episode at some point and i hope they do they do all know that i was you know everything that happened there it was it was pretty far out of line it was a mistake i don't it was mistakes that i don't endorse and i realize that it's just not a good thing um, that reflects on me. But at the same time, I also did pull a lesson from that in that just on a completely personal stand, whether it's just me, whether it's me and Dominic, we're not super socially adept and we understand that what we do and what we bring to the table isn't exactly... I was going to say palatable, but that means in some way somebody else would come into it, I suppose. But we're not socially adept. We're very blatant, pretty offensive at most times and just and just all of that. And that's that's where I kind of realized that to some extent that outsider art for us is always going to be there because we have in a way a problem with communicating whether it's just actually talking and i don't nobody maybe gets that for me when i'm sitting here talking on my show it's a little different social situations, yeah with social situations it's a lot different but i'm here with a you know i'm here with a friend and i'm just sitting and it's it's good i'm also very tired so that helps <laughs> yeah yeah no doubt but um but that really ma- it really just brings into context that this is to me outsider art him and i have a really huge issue with communication but you know what that's fine because whether you know somebody ends up actually giving us another show because we've had shows that have gone well um whether somebody ends up giving us another show or we just release another thing you know Maybe two people on the planet are going to be interested in it. But at the end of the day, any time I can look back at that and I'm going to know what was happening, it's it's there for me. And like I said, to me, those recordings and those shows, whether they're videoed or not or whatever, it's 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 like an old recording of speech. It's like a, a lost recording. And I'm going to be completely content with that going out and being the voice. I think he's broken again. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm pretty tapped out, honestly. Like, we had a really, like, when you slowed it down, I was also, I felt that. I was like, ooh. And like, whoa, we just fucking talked a lot. (laughs) No, like, I... 
Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I like. I don't know. I wonder if this is my. Oh, dude, I can, I can edit. I think just, I think. Oh, we have guests. Oh, oh, who do we got here? Hey. Hi. We're we're currently recording for the show. You can you can all say hi. Hey. Hello. None of you said none of you none of you actually said hi. I'm very upset. There we go. Excellent. Do we uh, do do we want to want to have him join for a minute here? I don't know. I think he's full of fucking noodles, bro. Isn't it? Well, we're so full. Yeah, I feel like we'll be saying the same shit to be honest. <laughs> no, I think it's. I think ultimately, it's just. It's really cool that we've been able to have this talk because I think there's a lot of things that you and I stand on opposite ends of the spectrum about. But at the end of the day, that's not dividing. No. And I think that's super important. Yes. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. They don't necessarily need to be had, but on how much of a, whether it was how we got into this sort of stuff, how we view putting it out or what its purpose is are almost mirror opposites of each other. But at the end of the day, it, like I said, it doesn't divide us. And I think that's ultimately the, the coolest thing about all this. He, he 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 put the hands up. That's that's the end of the episode. That's that's a send off. So I guess I guess I want to thank Mustafa for coming on and chatting your all your all guys' ears off. And I hope you guys take something away from this from this episode. And again, just thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks for having me, man. It was a lot of fun. I had a really good time. Hey. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.